This week's episode is brought to you by BitRise. BitRise is a continuous integration and delivery service for your mobile apps. They support building, testing, and deploying for iOS, Android, Xamarin, or any hybrid platform. They have more than 170 open source integrations, which can be used to customize your workflows for different scenarios, and even have a CLI to run those same exact workflows locally to reproduce and debug errors, or just experiment. So head to bitrise.io to learn more and sign up today. Frank, before we get into this week's episode, we got to remind everyone, we are going to be at Microsoft Build. Me, you, it's happening. Oh my God. We are doing an interview show, something we've never done before. I've never interviewed anyone. I've heard a lot of these shows and somehow someone trusted us to do a bunch of interviews at Build. What's going on? Yeah, it's going to be awesome because one, Build is in Seattle. So how great is that? We don't even have to leave our city. Uh, to do it. And then, yeah, they, they invite podcasters every year. And I've been working with a team over there to say, hey, listen, you know, I got this podcast. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's Merge Conflict. What a great name for a podcast. You should have us on. And we're the official mobile podcast of Microsoft Build. We have some great interviews lined up. So both Frank and I will be there. I'll be presenting. Frank will be, I don't know, wandering around watching <laughs> me present or probably just watching Miguel. Um, no, I'm, I'm stargazing. I'm just going to look for all the celebrities I can find and annoy them with what I think. <laughs> yeah, where's Anders? Where's yeah. Where's Mads? Where's mm-hmm. Dustin? Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be good. No, so we'll be there and I'll be running around all crazy, but I have tons of downtime. I just want to say if you're there and you see us, please say hi, snap a photo with us. We'll have stickers, we'll have little handouts, we'll have some goodies um, in our backpack. So make sure you ask us for some Merge Conflict swag if you see us. Super important important. And yeah, we're really excited for the next few weeks um, doing some interview style stuff to really change up the format um, and see how everyone likes. It. I think we did one uh, when I was at GDC. People seem to like it. So we're going to do a whole lot more, but really focus on some awesome things. And Frank and I picked, we picked the people like they let <laughs> us pick people. Can you believe that? I can't believe it. Who would give us that kind of freedom? Yeah, but... they, still, they still had to say yes. <laughs> have any of them said yes yet <laughs> everyone's in everyone we oh, picked is in congratulations us oh, okay good mm. job we we're not right going to tell you, we're not going to tell you who we're not going to tell you who no. but it's really good lineup of people so we're really excited to talk about awesome topics not only just in mobile but ai and machine learning and, and all that good stuff mm-hmm. yeah i actually like the uh spread of topics that we have we we are being mobile focused but we want a little diversity too you, you all know us we like to think about a lot of things yeah, we, we do. And I think it'll be super fun. I'm excited for this year's build because we're releasing a lot of new products that hopefully we'll get to talk about. Uh, I've been working on a lot of libraries that are going into this build and it's been really <laughs> stressful. And and finally, you know, build is is like that faucet. You open it up and all the, all the libraries and nougats and documentation fly out. I don't think there's been a time in my life in the last six years of uh, being seven years of being a Xamarin developer where I've probably written more library specific code and documented all of it fully <laughs> and worked on a team building the library. Like I've never done that as much. It's a really real library. What did we call those really real? That's what we should call them. They're really uh, yeah. real, real libraries. 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing how much effort Microsoft puts into these conferences. They really want to show their A game. They want to show fancy new tech and everything. So I feel bad for you. You're on the inside now. Now you have to go through all that stress. But it'll be like a cauldron. You'll come out stronger and shinier and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll do a full, not only interview at Build, but a full Build recap uh, after Build, which also Google I.O. is going on at the same time. So who knows what we'll do trying to break down all the goodies. Uh, man, I can't wait for WWDC. This is like conference season, mm-hmm. but like I get to just geek out at, key- at keynotes that I actually care about because <laughs> it's just back-to-back goodies for me and you. So Nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll have to wait uh, pretty soon, right? Will it be the week after this? or the, No, a couple weeks after this show, I suppose. Yeah, a couple weeks. We'll get it to your, to your eardrums really soon. Yeah. But, you know, we've been not only building great libraries, getting ready for conferences, but in the last six to eight years uh, of building applications, you and I have had our fair share of um, kind of, I, I don't know what to say, but... Uh, I would say optimizations and Mm -hmm. ensuring minimal app sizes and library sizes. Um, Yeah. Which do you you remember the early days of the app stores? What were the what were the memory limits on apps? I want to say 10 megabytes, but I feel like the Windows phone is even smaller in the early days, like maybe even five megabytes. And in the early days of Xamarin and Monotouch, it, it used to be kind of stressful because you wanted to be at that magic number so that people would download your app very quickly. Otherwise, you had to make sure they were at home and on Wi-Fi and all that. So I remember always worrying a lot about um, file size. And we fell into this thing called linking. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're right. I mean, I remember... For a long time, there was the over-the-air versus Wi-Fi. And I'm looking on some Stack Overflow posts that I'll put in here for iOS. And there were different margins. The -the over-the-air one was always really important because if you could only download on Wi-Fi, then that was an issue. And it was 50 megs for a while. And this is like, this is not necessarily, this is your executable file, which is inside of a thing. And it gets really complicated when you're bundling multiple things and this is 2012 then 60 megs then it went up to 100 megs and i think we sit now but then there was also limitations of if it just was over the size you just can't even upload it at all and google had their own thing and they're locked in at 100 megs currently which seems like a lot of it seems like a lot they're like oh you have 100 megs to mm-hmm. play around with but you don't want to ship a 100 meg app unless you're building the live player and have all of every <laughs> library and all of mono in it and that's the number one question i get frank when i give xamarin presentations and i'm sure you do too it's like this thing's running net your apps must be absolutely ginormous and then i mentioned just like you mentioned the linker the linker the linker Mm-hmm. We are going to do a whole episode on the linker. We're so excited about it. <laughs> so this is going to be a nerdy, nerdy episode. But yeah, we, we have this awesome tool because, as you said, .NET is huge. That's why we use it. It's a giant library and has lots of other libraries. I don't know. That's why I use it. I love the BCL. But the fact is, one app only uses parts of it. And so Xamarin, back in the early days, figured this out and said, oh, let's, uh, let's write this thing called a linker, which is a little different from the original um the idea of a linker in the Unix system. So I I used to call it a trimmer. <laughs> it would just try to remove all the parts of the BCL and any libraries that you don't actually use. And that sounds like a smart, easy problem, right? Yeah, I, I, I always refer to it as uh, an apple tree. Okay, so your application is an apple tree. And apples, when they are plump and juicy, 
um, you know, they're on the tree. But when they're old and stale and not used, they fall off. So what the linker does is it violently shakes the tree. And only the strongest APIs or apples are left. And those are the ones that are being used because you have strong references to those APIs. So they're nice, strong, and juicy, and they don't fall off the tree. But all those dead APIs that you're not using are violently shaken away onto the ground and decay. Oh, my God. I totally forgot about this analogy. Tree shaking. Tree yeah, shaking. It's so cute. <laughs> yeah. I, I always think of it as uh, dead code removal. That's mm. what we used to do. So back in the day, you could run like a C. A lot of the old C analyzers could do this. They'd look at every function you call, look at every data structure you touch, and figure out what's actually being used. And as you said, <laughs> drop those old dead apples. They were apples, right? <laughs> they were apples. Or oranges. Mm-hmm. Whatever fruit of okay, your option. Yeah. <laughs> Plums. Yeah. It would shake them off. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's a nice, easy problem. But um, it turns out it's a little bit trickier in .NET because we have this thing called polymorphism and virtual stuff and dynamic loading of stuff. So it's a little bit trickier. And so I think um, we want to go into the details of all of that at some point. But what other do you, can you think of any other benefits to um, just decreasing your app file size? Why else would you want to do this? Well, so from my point of view, yeah, there's a few things, right? So when when you want to turn on the linker, there's multiple ways of turning on the linker because to me there is, oh, there is .NET that I can link and strip away, but there's also any NuGet or any other library I add to my application. I may not even be using that code. For instance, if I, if I use a plugin that... Uh, takes photos and takes videos, but I never use the take video API. Why is that API mm-hmm. even in my app? I don't need it because yeah. I'm never using it. And the idea there would be multiple. One, it's kind of nice that it removes some of the the code and logic. It almost like obfuscates some bit of that code, but it will remove and limit down the app size as a whole of all the assemblies, not only for the, the .NET and the runtime, that that needs to execute, but the actual additional libraries that you're using. So to me, I think that's one advantage. uh, And I think that's great. But I think there's probably also a lot of compilation that's occurring inside of of the linker. There's kind of multiple aspects of probably when you're compiling your code, like it links your code, it compiles your code, and then you're deciding between types of compilation, maybe a JIT or AOT. Does that come into play, I'm assuming here? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, we we should talk about those at some point. But yeah, this all leads into AOT, which is ahead of time compilation where you're compiling all your .NET code right down to native code. That's definitely a big part of this. But I want to go back to something you said. Um, One of the benefits I like of it is that you can kind of feel free to ship a big library that has a lot of stuff in it as one big library. I remember the great fracturing of .NET when um, .NET Core first came out, all of our MS Corelib, which used to be this, you know, big, big, it's the uh, base class library, basically. It's mm-hmm. five megabyte DLL. It's it's a big chunk of code. And not everyone uses all of it. So this was the prime thing. We wanted to really link out parts of MS Corelib. But I remember um, the early .NET Core people said, well, let's do it differently. Let's just break up MS Corelib into a million little libraries. And then you just include the little library that you want. Mm. But I guess I've always been partial to... Um, I don't want a million (laughs) dependencies and references in my thing. I don't want to track them down. I don't want to deal with them. Partially, it's a tooling thing, but partially, it's just how I grew up. I just want everything included 
all in one big go, you know, just give me everything. I'll, I'll choose which parts I use. And so I do like the idea of being able to ship one big library and just letting the linker tear out the parts that aren't used. Yeah, that's a really good point. In fact, I mean, that's a lot what I'm working on with Caboodle Essentials. <laughs> I don't know what we're calling yeah. it now, but but <laughs> yeah. everyone will know I build what I'm working on. But it's the, you can't hide the fact. I told Joseph and Miguel, I mean, you can't hide the fact that it's an open source project. So, you know, I'm going to talk about it. Well, imagine that there's there's this library that I'm working on that yeah. has that has about 20 and team, not just me, 26 different APIs in it. And they're all different things. But you may include this library and it may have, you know, you might just want to use one of them. Well, does that mean that I'm bloating my app size because I'm bringing this big library and then it has to pull a dependency chain of Android and iOS APIs? No, no, no. Because I've ensured that the library is linker safe. And if mm-hmm. it's a linker safe, then it will go through the linker process, just like the .NET libraries do. Uh, and, and in fact, what's great about that is it will re- reduce that size. And that's really important because imagine bringing other types of libraries, I don't know, maybe from our good friends at Syncfusion, who we'll talk about mm-hmm. later, who ship this you know big libraries of all these controls or other vendors that are building these huge libraries. Well, guess what? They can feel free to put everything in one thing as long as they've done their due diligence of ensuring linker safe Yeah, because there are problems with the linker, which is something you mentioned on, which is uh and dot net is a little complex so yeah. <laughs> i don't know what are the edge cases there frank oh gosh you want to jump into the edge cases um well yeah. to be aware okay. of when you're writing code so <laughs> because you're going to yeah. be linking away stuff and maybe you're writing you're like oh why did this stop mm-hmm. working i think maybe is the yeah. uh, important thing well let's first just uh quickly go through kind of roughly how the linker works mm. so you yeah <laughs> we got to start somewhere just a basic foundation here um it's just a little program. <laughs> you feed it your program. You tell it where your program starts running. So this is usually your little main function. From there, it looks at every object you create, every function you call. And so if I call function foo, it has to look at function foo. Foo calls bar. Okay, I'll look at bar. And it makes a list of everything that it encountered that your app could possibly use. Sounds easy, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then you run into polymorphism. And you have a function that takes an object as a parameter and you call to string on it. And that object could literally be any object in the whole thing. So technically, the moment you start passing in objects to functions and playing with the object type at all and start casting it around, the linker's lost. All of a sudden, you're basically saying, I can use any type here, therefore you can't remove any type. So that's bad. That's definitely one of the big edge cases that makes linking hard. Uh, There's more. (laughs) Reflection. Imagine you can dynamically load a library and just start calling into it. It doesn't know how that works. That could all come from strings. That could come from external data sources. You could be running running Roslyn within your thing. There's no way the linker could detect that. And so what we run into is the linker is not perfect. It can't guess. It can't figure out completely what's being used in your app. So you have to help it out. And we help it out with uh, some heuristics, some default options. Which are? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> you, you're going to set me up for that. I set myself up. But um, okay, so let's say I do a new Xamarin iOS project, because I think every platform kind of has slightly different options. So let's start with iOS. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't know what the defaults are, but what your default should be is don't link any of my app. Assume that I use all of my app, but please go ahead and link away the uh, base class libraries, MS Corelib, all of its system dot friends, you know, all that stuff, link it away. And as you said, um, they're linker safe. That's kind of like the big thing. The, these libraries have been marked as safe to tear apart and do terrible things too. Whereas because it's so difficult, it's an unsolved problem, you're just kind of punting on your own code. You're saying, don't link any of my code. Mm, that makes sense. So yeah, there's multiple options. Like don't link anything that's good for debug mode because you don't have to link anything and it's faster yeah. to deploy. <laughs> and then there is mm -hmm. the two settings, which is link only, only the core stuff or link everything. And yeah, so so that's that's usually what I do. I, I are you a believer in link all or are you a believer in link no. only the stuff? A link only the stuff. Um the truth is your app tends to actually be pretty small. <laughs> if if you look at your actual executable size versus let's just say json.net, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is 700 kilobytes. Yeah. The fact of the matter is most apps don't have enough logic to consume 700 kilobytes, because that's what we're really talking about here is logic in the DLLs, executable code. Most apps really aren't that big, to be honest. It's all of your dependencies and all that stuff. So I would say from the app side, link away all those dependencies, um, but your own app, it's probably not going to even put a dent in it yeah i i did had some blog posts about you know making minimal app size because on android you can break apart your app in multiple apks based mm. on architecture types and usually the the runtime of oh going into android and selecting i would like all five abis that's a bad idea maybe select one or two um mm -hmm. and abis are android <laughs> Oh, gosh. Binary interfaces. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. I'm getting old. <laughs> Forgetting these things. Um, and those are like x86 or ARM or ARM v8, for instance, ARM v7. Uh, and, and yeah, so I am just a believer in that because it, what this means is two-factor. If Xamarin or you can use .NET Native for Windows applications, these are both linker technologies, they have that approved list that says, hey, link these things away, we're good to go. But on the flip side, an app or a library developer, such as myself or James Newton King or Frank Yu, you can mark your assemblies as linker safe. And that essentially sparks up a flag and says, hey, monolinker, hey, I'm cool. Link me no matter what. <laughs> Bring it. Bring it, brah. Yeah. Bring it. I'm on. Yeah. You know? And then that, it gives the priority to the library developer to say, no, I, I've architected and tested this library to ensure it's linker safe and it's going to be good to go. Uh, and, and developers have ways of preserving things too, because you don't want to link some things away, which we'll talk about. Um, but it's really nice because you do get that really great control over the linker. And I think that's one thing that's really nice is that the control, and I want to talk about that, but let's actually um, thank our good friends over at Syncfusion for making this uh, podcast possible. You know Syncfusion, Frank. I do. I love to hear about them. Yes. Each and every week, when Syncfusion comes back to sponsor the podcast. I love them because I use them. What's great about Syncfusion is that I've been using their user interface controls, part of their developer platform for years, way back when I was writing printer software. We used all of their WinForms libraries. Uh, what's great is that they have libraries and controls for absolutely anything, whether it's mobile with Xamarin, native, UWP, web, they have controls for you. But they also have things for desktop, WPF, 
.NET, WinForms, all that good stuff that you know and love. Then they have an entire dashboard and data integration platform so you can visualize and create data dashboards faster than ever. Link it to your SQL Server, link it to other Excel spreadsheets, anything to visualize your data. It's absolutely stunning. I, I love it. Not only because I have access to these beautiful controls, but because I have access to really make these great, beautiful dashboards that people are going to love that make me actually visualize my data and consume it in a way that is important to me with charts and graphs and all that good stuff. And what I really enjoy about all of Syncfusion is not only their great support, their documentation, but also that they have a great structure for their actual pricing model. Not only do they have a community license that anyone can get uh, access to if you're a small company um, for free, and then if you're growing and you're a multi-million dollar company, they have a flat rate fee of just $2,000 for a single developer pack, including all of their controls for every single platform. Or if you're just using one, you can pick one. Say, oh, I only want the Xamarin one and I'm good to go. So I encourage everyone to go to syncfusion.com slash merge conflict and look at all of the great controls for anything that you're building. You're going to find not only all those great charts and graphs and visualizations, but also tons of other things like a calendar, a Kanban board, and their amazing Excel, PDF, Word, and PowerPoint file formats all built in. So go over to syncfusion.com slash merge conflict. And thanks, Syncfusion, for sponsoring the show. Thank you, Syncfusion. You know, I was just reflecting. Um, Were you reflecting? Is that linker safe? <laughs> linker safe. Reflecting, it's not. So it brings up a good issue because I use reflection in all my libraries. And so I've been kind of, um, I love the linker, but I've been kind of fighting it my whole career too, <laughs> because I want my libraries to be usable by everyone. But I, I desperately hope that they can turn the linker on because it really does bring down app sizes. And I was thinking how um, in the old days, the defaults used to be different because the memory constraints used to be even tighter, that the default was link everything. Mm. And we, as library developers, we ran into all these problems. And that's why the amazing preserve attribute was invented. And this thing was funny. Um, you didn't have to take a dependency on any library or anything, but if you happen to have an attribute that happened to be named preserve attribute, then the linker would just always keep that stuff. It was a very clever solution for library developers to mark bits of code that say, yeah, I know it doesn't look like I use this stuff, but I really do because I'm being tricky. I'm doing it with reflection or I'm using polymorphism in an insane way. Um, yeah, so we, it, we had that nice option. And it, it it was tough, but it worked. I liked it. <laughs> yeah, it's there's the preserve attribute itself. And the reason you might want to use that is because you're a library app creator and you're doing things such as uh, doing a reflection invoke, dynamically emitting code, or you're doing some XML serialization and the properties you want to make sure are always there. Yeah. Uh, and, and that stuff is pretty important. So there's ways of doing all members just say, hey, just everything, just like make sure you're in there. But they also have this conditional um, attribute uh, Boolean on it. And what that does is it, it it preserves certain members, but only if the containing type was preserved. So it kind of does like a reverse lookup in a way of, <laughs> of, of looking and just being a little bit triggered and saying, hey, like in certain instances, it's okay to remove some of the things inside of here, but not everything or in this one in certain instances. 
Uh, I just do all members true just because I'm just keep, keep it simple. And, and I, I'm a weird one because in my plugins, I'm bad. I just, pres- I put preserve everywhere. I've just like put preserve everything. Don't link anything. And <laughs> uh, in, in to me, it's easier to do that. And for me, because when developers are using my library, I, pre- I would prefer if the linker didn't remove my stuff sure. because, I, because my, my libraries are so tight and I'm, I'm there. <laughs> but at the same time, the only reason I'm doing that is because I don't have enough time to invest in every single yeah. edge case, but I should, I really mm-hmm. should, uh, because yeah. I've seen it. And the cool thing is, um, I've been using this new library that replaces a lot of my other libraries with the same exact functionality and it actually reduced my app size by upgrading to this other Mm -hmm. library that has way more functionality, but because the linker is so good, it actually reduced my overall app size. And that's really something crazy to think about when you put some time and energy into just these simple attributes, then boom, you're really good to go. Yeah. And we should be clear here. This edge case is mostly reflection. If you're not doing any reflection in your code, you should feel pretty confident to just turn that linker on and let it blast through everything. Mm-hmm. But um, you're actually reminding me of the old other techniques we used to use to get around the linker. I had a, I have a library called um, Bind. It was mm-hmm. a generic binder for .NET. Uh, it supported two-way data binding, totally agnostic of UI frameworks. I, I like it because I like um, igno- uh, orthogonal things. It worked everywhere. It didn't matter what libraries you were using. But because it was reflection heavy, <laughs> it always played a foul with the linker. And my solution to that was in a funny, stupid little dead function in there, I subscribe to every event on every possible kind of object available in iOS and Android and all these other things. And the idea was that if I have one function that touches everything, then there's no way the linker would take those away. And that was a gross, gross hack, but an effective one to just convince the linker that this stuff needs to stay even though you can't see it. Mm. So man, the dirty, dirty tricks we used to play back in the day. Yeah, but nowadays there's a lot of cleaner ways of actually handling this. Yeah, we still have the preserve and linker safe attributes, but there's actually these really nice XML files that you can add. So so the, here's the use case, right? You were kind of talking about the complexities of knowing when certain libraries may you know not work. So for instance, you turn on link everything and then your app doesn't work. Well, that's because something is being removed. So these XML files are a way of marking up and saying, hey, only, or actually keep these certain things from these libraries. Does that sound mm-hmm. about correct? Yeah, yeah. And and not just say keep it. You can say definitely link this away. <laughs> we don't need this. You know, it's just giving you that level of control. What's nice is you're not putting these weird preserve attributes all over your code. You can just write a nice little XML file and feed that to the linker and it'll do what's necessary. It, it's just a level of control, which is very nice. And you can check it into uh, GitHub and know that that stuff's going to stay there instead of relying on you know, basically the linker guessing in some cases, or, you know, just having to fall back to um, more conservative guesses and all that. I like that level of control. Did you know that there's um that you can include that XML file as a resource in your library, and it'll be picked up automatically? Oh, I did not know that. So as a library creator, I don't need the attributes everywhere. I just need an XML file. 
Yeah, it's really wow. funny. Um, I was actually looking through the source code of the linker. That's what's so cool about open source. <laughs> and it turns out one of its default steps is to crack open an assembly, look through all its resources, and look for uh, in a, a linker definition file, I think we're calling it. <laughs> and um, if it finds one as a resource, it'll use that. So it's super um, easy to embed that right into our libraries. So the goal here is to allow apps to try to link our library. And with this XML file, we make it safe for them to do so. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I may have to go do this in some of our libraries because <laughs> we do have linker preserve attributes in a few edge cases where the linker just goes, mm, I'm going to just link that away. Just sorry. Yeah. Sorry, I'm going to do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, not needed. Not needed. It's, it's Sometimes it's a little aggressive, but that is yeah. really cool that you can add it to. A, I didn't even think of that. And that makes it really nice as a library creator. You can easily just turn it on or off um, with that with that little little line of code in the yeah. in the file. That's crazy. I guess now's a good time to mention. Um, every time I say the linker, what I'm actually talking about is the mono linker because that's the one that I have the most experience with. But there are other linkers out there very important on the Windows platform, specifically the UWP linker that runs with .NET Native and all of that. And just like the monolinker, there's an XML definition file for that too, where you can say, keep this, ditch that, all that kind of stuff. So I just want to make that clear. Um, there's actually two big linkers out there right now. Yeah. And that would be the, uh, who created that? The, the original monolinker. Oh, that would be JB, uh, famous JB from writing Mono Cecile, the library that basically every .NET tool, at least every open source .NET tool uses. I, I, all my apps somehow reference Mono Cecil. I think you're supposed to say Cecil. I say Cecile. And I said that in front of him once and I think he rolled his eyes. Oh, I say Cecile. I yeah, I do too. I think he mean, I think he wants it called Cecil. Well, we'll have to ask him. We'll have to ask. We'll see him very soon. Wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's interesting because I, I didn't even know that it's been around for a long time because guess what? Mono has been a around for a long time, too. So it's really interesting. Yeah, there are multiple linkers. And in fact, on other platforms outside of the .NET ecosystem, guess what, Frank? There are uh -oh. linkers. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I, I think I already said even in the C days, we were using them. You just had to get rid of all that extra code. No one yeah. wanted a big, fat executable. Yeah. Android developers maybe used to ProGuard. A little bit of ProGuard. ProGuard. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's an old name. I haven't heard that in a long time. Oh, how whimsical. Tell me more about this ProGuard. Oh, ProGuard. ProGuard, uh, I mean, it's been around for essentially obfuse for optimizing and obfuscating Java code. Ah, um, but it's an obfuscator too. That makes sense. Yes. But really how Android uses it, it's all about code shrinking in general. Mm. And on Android, what's actually interesting is there's this weird restriction of 64K, um, this 64K reference limit. Um, oh. Do you know about this? Essentially, your application can cannot exceed 65,536 methods. Uh, <laughs> are, 
Are you joking? Is no. this is this Bill Gates? You'll never need more than 64K methods. <laughs> You'll never need more than it. Because this is how the Dexer works. So the Dalvik executable. <laughs> oh, it's so cute. I mean, yeah. yeah. Dynamic memory is hard, I guess. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it the, a Dex file can only contain that much information. And which essentially it is um, um, 1024, which is two to the 10th times 64 so 64k reference limit it's now the important arbitrary <laughs> restriction i'm sorry i'm still laughing <laughs> uh it, this is this is this is hard because they had to introduce multi-dexing which essentially creates oh multiple God, you're joking no uh, yeah <laughs> i'm dying over here i'm really dying just from a computer architecture standpoint and os design i'm cracking up <laughs> yeah so so it's, it's multi-dexing and it just happens and this this only really occurs because what what happens here is and this can occur in Xamarin Android applications because there's multiple layers that are happening, especially if you have a, a native plus a bindable wrapper over it. You've essentially doubled your methods because you have a .NET wrapper yeah. and the native one. So this happens because you have support libraries, you have Google Play services, you have big, big packs. Anyways, this is, this happens relatively rarely, but that's where yeah. Pro, ProGuard comes in. And similar to our linker files, there are ProGuard files. And I actually ship ProGuard files with, I have like a standard one that I use. But what's cool here is that with ProGuard, it's essentially a linker for Java code and for Android code. So it'll rip stuff out. And what they do is they ship a ProGuard file with every single support library um, mm-hmm. and that will, when you run ProGuard, it'll do it. And I'm pretty sure in the latest version of Android support libraries for Xamarin, we actually ship a ProGuard file with the NuGet package, which will then oh. pick it up. So it like is an additional linker. So on Android, Xamarin Android apps, you actually have two linkers that you can turn on. ProGuard's mm-hmm. off by default as well. Usually you won't need it because you're not actually including very much Java code. You know, it's yeah. for Java things, but um, it could help for additional Android libraries or something like that. But it's actually interesting because it does, these things live in all sorts of different, li- I don't know about iOS though. I don't know how that works. Do you have any insight into the world of iOS? Uh, there, there's always been linkers included in um, Clang, the uh, C language um, compiler and tool set used by mm. Apple, there, there's always been some form of code stripper, you know, just coming from the C days. In C++, it's a little bit safer. You can do a little more analysis, but C++ allows arbitrary casts. You know, you can cast from an object to an integer, serialize it, bring it back as an integer, cast it back to an object, and C++ is like, great, good job. <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> um, so um, they have the same hard problems as C Sharp. I don't know how they deal with them. Yeah. Man, that multi-dex thing sounds terrible. So you're able to decrease your method count. Does uh, ProGuard have uh, an appreciable effect on app size? Have you noticed? Uh, yeah, it, it does. Especially in the yeah. world of of just Java or Kotlin applications. But if you are using like Android support libraries or Google Play services, like it's pretty important mm-hmm. to bring in. Okay, yeah. I, I don't think it's as important. Well, because you have to actually... You can't just turn on ProGuard and be like, I'm just going to turn on ProGuard and be like, it's amazing. <laughs> it's not like the mono linker. Uh-huh. You need a ProGuard file that you tell things to link or not link, essentially. It's kind of, from my recollection, and, and listeners, please correct me if I'm completely wrong, but 
but how I create applications, like if I look at scoreboard, so I'm going to go into my GitHub account. This is not open source. So you can't see it, but I have a ProGuard file there. Come on, GitHub load. <laughs> and you can do it in Xamarin. So you actually add the ProGuard files as a resource. Uh, where's my scoreboard game? There it is. Game scoreboard. Okay. I'm going to open up my Android app. This is fun for all of our listeners. ProGuard.cfg. Yeah, so, okay. I say don't obfuscate and ignore warnings. And then I do all these keep classes, which is all of the uh, like open or like mono.java, mono.android. And there's all these keeps. So I say keep this class or, you know, do this thing or do that thing. And it's the same. It it says keep all these things. I don't want you to remove these things. It's very Mm -hmm. important because of our wrappers, you need to keep a bunch of stuff. And then based on this file, it will attempt to link away anything that you're not using. That's kind of what it's doing. And, and we have some really good docs on, on pro guard, um, Xamarin Android all I'll put those in the show notes because, uh, it's actually relatively important. I think in general, we have some Mm -hmm. good blog posts on it and yeah, that's what it's doing is it will, it'll run anything on your jars. So this is a good instance. So let's say you're have a binding project. That's a good use case for doing some pro guardy stuff. Yeah. 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 That that's good info. I know in my apps, I've turned on the mono linker for my Android apps, but I don't think I ever took the step to pro guard. So that's good. I'll have to take a look at that for sure. Yeah, this is that almost like final mile. Like when we talk, you know, when we were <laughs> yeah. talking our very for one of our first episodes of merge conflict was, we, what was it like build up to app release? Like these are those mm-hmm. final steps almost to really kick it over because when someone goes to the app store and they go to install your app and it's 50 megs, well, I don't know. Am I going to download that over cellular? I actually think about that when I install apps. I'm like, I don't know, man, that's going to cost me five cents to download. <laughs> I don't, I, I might wait until later. Well, if I wait until later, I may not install it. So the biggest part is don't leave the linker off that don't do that just Mm -hmm. turn it on (laughs) a minimum (laughs) i think we live in a world where people aren't so worried about file sizes anymore but i keep my file size down um uh, on ios it it really it controlled the speed of how fast your app would load back in the day your smaller your app the faster it popped up basically because i had to load a bunch of stuff off a disk into memory i think nowadays it's a little better at it but it just feels so good to have that app trimmed down where you don't feel like you're shipping all of net with your app because that's ridiculous yeah well i think there's a there's a fine balance like you're saying because yes I usually don't, I'm not too concerned about when I'm updating apps because I'm at home on Wi-Fi and that's the only time I update apps. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I, w- I might be out in another country and I need to get something and yeah. it's going to take a long time on like 3G to download 300 <laughs> megs if I don't have Wi-Fi. Yeah. <laughs> um, or, you know, and essentially when you look at, um, you know, Facebook, that is a huge app. And I think, uh, Heather was updating it recently. It's like 400 megs or something like that. That's app got bananas. For an app that downloads so much from the internet, like what is in there? I would love an analysis of, God, what are they putting in this app bundle? That app should be 10 megabytes. <laughs> I mean, all its data comes from the internet. Uh, but I digress. Um, I want to talk about one last topic with the linker. And that's uh, the fact that Normally, we all use the linker kind of implicitly. So whenever you're doing a Xamarin project, you can just go to your project options and turn her on. Um, whenever you're doing a UWP app, same thing, or it's forced on, I think, in that case. 
but uh, you can also use the linker yourself from the command line. Mm. All versions of Mono come with a tool called the Mono Linker. And any app that you write that, you know, maybe you're doing a .NET Core app and it pulls in 10 million assemblies and you're like, I want to link this puppy down. You can run the Mono Linker on it and trim that app size right down. Hmm. Have you done this before? No, (laughs) but let me tell you how I found out is um, I wanted a linker for we (laughs) have we gone a week without me talking about we my library. Uh, Yeah, sorry. Here's another week to that. Yeah. Well, um, in the case of the WebAssembly support. I had the same problem as iOS. I didn't want you to have to download all of .NET to run Hello World. It's just a waste. And in this case, it's a real waste because you're going over the internet. It's pretty expensive every time you want to open this app. So I really want to run the linker. And I knew that the uh, mono linker was open source, but I never looked into it. And I finally did. And it's a very nicely maintained project sitting on GitHub. Uh, They generate a command line tool that I already mentioned from the project. Plus, it's just a consumable library. So I was able to add the linker as a library to the Wii build step in order to link your app down in size. And so the Hello World, which would normally be 30 megabytes, comes down to 7 megabytes. Still big, but, you know, for .NET, that's small. (laughs) Yeah, it's really nice, though. That's nice that you can just incorporate it into your workflow. Yeah, so this isn't a magical proprietary thing. The source code for it's out there. Go look at it. JB wrote it. <laughs> you can see his marks all over it. And uh, you can bug him about it on Twitter. But it's it's a pretty bulletproof library at this point because uh, Xamarin relies on it for all their tools. And I'm sure other people rely on it too. Yeah, and I think, I mean, obviously the inspiration here is that, hey, this thing is pretty great, pretty awesome. And uh, other people should be able to take advantage of it, other .NET applications, and obviously inspiration for .NET Native and other mm-hmm. um, platforms as well, which is really cool. And yeah, you're right. This thing, I mean, the linker was great six years ago when I started development. It's, I'm assuming <laughs> it's only gotten better um, yeah. in general. <laughs> and there's activity. There's actually pull requests that are in here. And of course, you know, the 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 the, the likely sub- subjects or subjects or suspects of like Marek and and uh, and mm-hmm. Mike in there, uh, of course, it's, doing a whole bunch of stuff. It's so fun. It's all the old pros. Yeah, you, you want to see the old uh, mono hackers at it. Go look at this project. It's always fun yeah. to see those ones. Here's my favorite one, though. Our good friend, friend of the show, Oren Novotny. Um, mm. He asks for a single linker config for .NET Native and Mono. <laughs> Ooh, wants to merge the worlds. Uh, linker standard? Can we call it that? <laughs> linker standard. I'm going to go and put a, 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 a link in the show notes below, and everyone can thumb up this one. There you go. <laughs> it's probably not a bad idea so that we could um, just have one XML file in every library that both linkers understood. Yeah. Good job, Oren. Bringing the worlds together. Yeah. I mean, it was only it's only a year old uh, issue with no comments on it. But hey, give that the thumbs up and we'll see what happens. <laughs> Plus one, that puppy. open source. Submit yeah. a PR. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Oh, gosh. Um, all right. Uh, anything else you want to talk about in the linker there, Frank? Oh, I, I, I had fun with this one. You know, the linker is that technology we've all been using since the beginning. But you, you try not to think about and then you have to think about it when it's not working and then you get mad at it. But then it really is like a great piece of technology. So it was fun to be able to take some time and to deep dive into it and think about it a bit. 
Yeah. And also the fact that I get a lot of those questions, which is, oh man, I'm in debug mode. My app's huge. Like, yeah, it's going to be big because it's in debug mode. You're not linking anything because it's nice and fast. <laughs> Um, but awesome. Yeah. yeah, I love the linker. And as I got to work with it in the last few weeks and actually take just a few days, it, it really only takes a, a day or two of optimization to test and figure out your application, um, what's good, what's bad, and adding these XML or li- even link skip. Just, you know, if you want something so complex, you can just say, mm. skip this entire assembly. <laughs> Don't do it. Uh, I have, you know, just don't do it and you're good. There'd be oh, dragons. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I figured before we check out this week, it'd be really fun to um, actually uh, uh, link up here with some of our listeners who wrote some nice. awesome feedback for us. Uh, just some Sounds fun, really cool stuff. Uh, Alec. Uh, Alec Mank, uh, he wrote in and said, I'm really enjoying the show and you covered the tech topics in just the right amount of detail where I feel like I'm learning something. And hopefully with um, uh, the linker you did. But also he said, <laughs> he's learning something but doesn't need the code in front of him to follow along. And I think that's important. Uh, yeah. He found episode 84, Accidental Web Developer Podcast, to be very encouraging because he is normally a web developer, but we covered topics that he had taken for granted, uh, granted that he's internalized. Like, where does the code run? It says, keep up the good work. Yeah. <laughs> where does, where the, does code the code run? run? Nobody <laughs> knows. A, such a fundamental question, but you'd be surprised if you really think about it. What is going on? <laughs> yeah. And. Uh, we also got some really great, um, <laughs> really great comments on the span of T episode. Ah. Just uh, amazing! I love this one from Nick. He says, "I put on Merge Conflicts span of T episode, thinking it'd be fun to hear about over my head internals slash another new C sharp features." Um, it really helped me understand the potential at Proclarum's excitement. That's you uh, infected him, especially the string buffer usage. So look at you just going for it. People love it. Yeah. People, people love performance. You know, it's it's it feels good as a developer. I often make fun. We over obsess about efficiency. We all know premature optimization it means you're going to go to hell. I don't know all this bad stuff. <laughs> But performance is important, and it feels very liberating to have a high-performance and easy-to-use library. So I think we're all a little bit excited about that and really appreciate the comment. I always worry that sometimes we get a little too technical and that maybe sometimes people do need code in front of them. So it's uh, encouraging to hear that we haven't gone that deep, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I am also never 100% sure, especially when we get really into that deep code analysis, but it seems like people like it. In fact, I was talking to some of our patrons on discord and they thought the same thing. They really, and like the the level (laughs) uh, of it, because honestly, it's this, this, this podcast is mostly just Frank explaining things to me. Let's just be honest. That's really what it is. We're conflicting. That's what we're doing. (laughs) Always conflicting. (laughs) We're merge conflicting. Haven't figured out the merge part yet. We're, we're still on the conflict stage. Definitely, always. Well, you can find us everywhere on the internet. I am at James Montemagno. Frank is at Proclarum, and the podcast is at Merge Conflict FM. You can, of course, go to our glorious website, mergeconflict.fm, where you can subscribe on your favorite podcast applications. Mine is uh, Pocket Cast. What's your favorite podcast application? Oh, I use MoCast every day. That's still the one love that it. Frank built for himself. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a shame if I didn't use it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can, of course, there's a button to write into the show. You can also become a patron and actually subscribe um, as a patron and get additional goodies and access to our Discord and an exclusive RSS feed where you see behind the scenes of how Merge Conflict is made. And of course, the last thing that we would ask is if you review us, in fact, in the show notes below, you could do this right now if you're on an Apple iOS device inside of Apple Podcasts, because that's really the only place to leave reviews. It helps out the show immensely. In the show notes, there is some actual emoji art and a big button that says review us. Tap on that button that will take you directly into the podcast application. Scroll down and write a review. We're at a bunch of reviews now. I'm trying to get to 50 before episode 100. And if so, we're going to have an amazing, ridiculous contest where we give away crazy amounts of goodies we're gonna do it anyways but that'll just give <laughs> an extra <laughs> bonus uh if so we're getting close to episode 95 that's that's bonkers. can't hold them hostage we're gonna give stuff away anyway but we would love the reviews <laughs> yeah all right frank i think that's gonna do it for this week's episode so until next week i'm james montemagno and i'm frank krueger thanks for listening peace